0: crazy
1: mother thanks for tuning in to seriously call me a podcast where we talk about entertainment highlights and pop culture and basically anything goes i'm one of your hosts alani and i'm
0: your other host ariana
1: the reason that it's called seriously call me and that ariana sounds a little bit. Through a tunnel is because she is located in Los Angeles and I am located in Chicago, and so we are talking over the phone. Yes,
0: how are you doing, Alani?
1: I am pretty good. Um, the new year is treating me pretty well, <laughs> turning some <laughs> new pages, some new leaves. Um, trying to work out a little bit more, although I try, I've been trying that since the fall. How about <laughs> you? How about you?
0: Um, same, yeah. Trying to eat better, exercise more so far. Um, so yeah, it's been good so far. Discovered some new shows already, which is obviously a favorite thing of mine to do. So it's been good so far.
1: That is something I've also noticed too. We talked last episode about the amazing shows of 2018, Oh, uh, it was a great year for TV and already January, second week of January, and, like, that's still going. I've also come across a couple new shows. Um, it's good outlook. Yes.
0: So today's episode is going to be all about um, a show that, I guess, I recently discovered and recently started watching. And I've been watching since it premiered in September. I think I might have mentioned it on the podcast before, but it is you which was originally on lifetime um when i when it was picked up by lifetime i think it was automatically given two seasons but anyway the second season will be on netflix so the first season is already put on netflix and while i don't think a lot of people were talking about it at least on social media when it premiered on lifetime i know a lot of critics were like applauding it um It has definitely gotten a new fan base and new wave since being on Netflix, and Alani is one of those new fans who's been watching. Mm -hmm. Um, Alani has seen up to episode eight, right?
1: I'm about to start episode eight, yes.
0: Um, Start episode eight. Um, I've seen it all, so basically this podcast is just going to be a a rundown of you and some topics we've been discussing about it. Uh, So yeah.
1: Yeah, one thing I do want to point out first is I'm, like, really surprised at how much it blew up. She has mentioned this before, and I remember her saying that it was really, really good and telling me I should watch it. And I did. I watched the first episode when it did premiere because I have cable, and I was able to watch it on the Lifetime app or TV app or whatever. Um, And I watched the first episode, and I really liked it. I didn't think I would, and I liked it, but... I apparently only have the capability of watching so many shows like live on the air, um, and I just wasn't able to keep. I wasn't able to keep up to it, keep up with it week to week, and so it came on Netflix, and I was like, "Oh, I'll get to it eventually." Um, I'm really slow with TV shows sometimes, um, but then it just kept blowing up my Twitter, like to the point where every day I'd go on Twitter and like. Basically, all, my fo- all the people I follow are just, like, tweeting about it. So, I was like, okay, I'll give in.
0: So, if you aren't familiar with you, but you probably heard about it. Like, Alani said, a lot of people been talking about it. Um, it stars Penn Badgley of Gossip Girl fame. We're not going to go into – we've talked about Gossip Girl before. Yeah. Briefly on this podcast. <laughs> um, You know my boobs. So, mm-hmm. and then Shay Mitchell from Pretty Little Liars is also in it. Mm-hmm. Um, John Samos has a guest starring – Role in it, mm-hmm. but like Alani said, I was kind of surprised of this sudden like burst of new fans because I follow Penn on Twitter and he like would talk about it when it was on, but not s- that much. But then I noticed he was tweeting about it a lot recently, and I was like, oh, that's because it's on Netflix. Oh, a lot of more people are talking about it, and it's getting like this new life to it, which is great because I overall I liked the show. Um, like I said, I also watched it on TV, um, like Alani did. There were a few weeks where I didn't watch it at all. Um, I don't know if fans of the show have the same feeling, but I felt like there was a slump a little bit around, like, maybe episode five or six. Um, but I got back into it, and it kind of picked up some more. Uh, overall, I enjoyed it. I know a lot of people on the internet, i have been talking about the creepiness of it and everything, which you definitely get the vibe for that show when it starts off, that this is like a creepy tone, um, very sinister. Uh, And I know a lot of things that people have been talking about on Twitter, specifically Penn has been talking about, is how his character is um, perceived by people. And there have been um, some troubling tweets of girls or women being like, why am I so attracted to Joe? Which, spoiler alert, sign a spoiler alert, you should not be attracted to Joe at all.
1: Newsflash. Do not be attracted to Joseph, please. <laughs> I'm I'm not surprised. I'm not. Because, well, when I first started it, Uh, I mean, Penn Badgley is very attractive. I find him attractive male. And so, watching it, you know, you see this guy who seems like he's kind of helplessly falling in love and infatuated with this girl, and like, at first it seems, I don't want to say harmless, because from the beginning it is, it does have a sinister type of feel to it, but, you know, it's not going to certain lengths, but then it, he starts to, and even before he even hurts anybody, the fact, you know, that he's staring at her through her window, um, you know, taking her phone, like, like all of these things and keeping tabs on her in a way that it was just, it was a lot. And so, but I'm not surprised that people liked him because I feel like he's the type of character that, um, a lot of women, like, romanticize and, like, you know, like the wounded like. We've talked about this before, the wounded, like, sullen boy, not really a bad boy, but a sad boy, and sometimes those are, like, the scariest, and you shouldn't be attracted to them.
0: Yeah, I get that, but at the same time, like, so we talked about the wounded boy before with, like, a troubled past, but, so obviously if you've seen the the pilot, or if you've read the book, because it's based on the book, I know a little bit of it is different, but I think mostly it follows the plot. Um, You're thrown into the fact that he's, like, a murderer. So, to me, like, I know a lot of people are saying, I I just don't even understand how you could put him in, like, the wounded or misunderstood category because you see that he's violent. Like, I know
1: in the show you don't know that he kills anyone until he kills Benji. Benji. But that's like but by the first episode
0: he clocks him with like a mallet.
1: Oh true that does happen at the end of the first episode.
0: Yeah so it's like you should immediately like even if because it is shot in the beginning I would say the first episode is shot the the whole show is shot kind of like a romantic love story Um, and you're kind of seeing him through Beck's eyes and like Like you said, this wounded guy. But I think immediately when you end the show with him hitting someone in the way that that scene is shot, you should like automatically be in the vibe of like, this guy's dangerous. Beck should watch out. So it was, it's alarming. It's not surprising to me because I think we've talked about this on the podcast, but I went to a screening of this pilot And was able to, like, talk to the cast and some executive producers before it aired. And Penn Badgley, and he's already, like, reiterated this on Twitter, had said that he was concerned about taking this role. Obviously, Dan and Gossip Girl was also, like, someone who was posting about people's private information online and kind of, like, like disrespecting people's trust. But he said he was obviously concerned to take on this role of this male. And, like, worried about people romanticizing it, which is exactly what's happened and what he talked about on the internet. And even when I saw, so watching that pilot, um, there's a lot of creepy stuff Joe does in that pilot and watching it in a room of, I would say like 75 people makes it even more so uncomfortable. And afterwards it was fought with a panel and a lot of people, every time the panel like, the moderator said Joe, a lot of women were screaming and, like, wooing. And he was, Penn was, like, obviously uncomfortable by it. And he was, like, the executive producers were saying, I hope it's because you like Penn and you don't like Joe. And some of the women were, like, no, we like Joe. And the reporters next to me were, like, oh, my gosh, this is, like, a huge problem in our society that these people aren't getting, like, what Penn? is trying to say the message and the executive producers are trying to get with the writing that this is not the kind of guy like this is a stereotypical guy that has been in movies in the 70s or 80s that makes it seem like being persistent is romantic when it's not this show is meant to like show how if a woman doesn't want to pursue you you need to back off and so it's alarming that So there's, like, a wide range of people on Twitter that don't get that they should be really uncomfortable with Joe, and, like, Joe is a representation of what we need to move on from in society, that type of toxic, like, view of how a man shows affection, or his, like, desire to pursue a woman. Yeah. Uh, I hope the fact, though, that his, like, tweets in response have gone viral will help people recognize that they need to
1: separate their love of Penn Badgley and his face, which I obviously mm-hmm. understand
0: from the character.
1: I completely agree. And I feel like, like you mentioned already, it's like a societal thing. It's what we've been taught. Um, but I still, there, there's just so many things that just doesn't, it doesn't make sense why someone would romanticize that. Um, and especially if you don't pick up on the hints in the first couple episodes, definitely by episode five at the very least you should be running for the hills. And definitely, of course, by the end. But, you know, especially if you've seen who he's willing to kill. And, like, it's not even... Even if he didn't kill anybody, just he's taking away her autonomy in the relationship by tricking her into thinking he's being genuine. Because she has no idea that he's going around behind her back and knows everything about her and knows the perfect things to say and is able to you know, have an insight into her life that she has no idea, and so by him doing that, it's taking away what could be rough patches, you know, in the, in the relationship, or um, it's taking away that genuine getting to know each other, and it's making, that's, that's why she's so, that's why she ends up falling in love with him, is because he's created, maybe he hasn't changed his persona, Per se, but he he knows what to say. He knows where she's going going to be. He knows how to you know. And it really stuck out to me because I feel like that is something. I mean, I'm sure not every 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 creepy guy is a tech genius like that or that sinister. But at the same time, like, like that could happen in real life, and it really made me really mad because if you if you look at it from Beck's point of view, she doesn't know anything he's he's been doing, and the red flags that we see, she may not be able to see, and she doesn't see until the very end. It's like, how do you, do you really know anybody, you know? Like, Yeah. Then, of course, on top of that, all the killing <laughs> that went on. All the yeah. shady stuff.
0: I also want to go back to what you said about, like, um, not, like, all creepy guys aren't, like, a tech genius or whatever. Um, I think that's what the... Makes the show even creepier because I wouldn't even say that Joe is like specifically good with technology. Just that everything he does shows how we're how connected we are on social media, and like, don't think that when we post our location on something or that we post a lot of information about ourselves that it's easily available to so many people online.
1: Yeah, that yeah, that too because it's also I all I post all the time post all the time on all social media platforms. He was able to like peg her for who she was, where she went to school, who she knew. And then create like
0: the persona for her without even like really getting to talk to her. And it's it's an idealistic version of her, which is why he's so obsessed with her. But it also is kind of pretty spot on to how her personality is. So yeah, like Alani and I have very different social media presence. Um <laughs> I like don't think I posted anything on Instagram since like a year ago uh this show does not make me want to post anything ever um but so, I will be posting this podcast so that you guys can all listen to it
1: dedication. and
0: I want to talk more about that but before I mo- we move on to her I also think that another issue that should throw people off immediately from romanticizing um Joe is the effect he's having on Paco yeah. Paco I've heard is not a character in the book. Um, I think it's really important that they have him in the TV show. I think his addition is also something that like points people away from romanticizing Joe because you see, you'll see it later on in the season. I'm not going to spoil anything, but Joe's role in Paco's life, I think, is a representation of like what. Um, like, men like Joe won't be held accountable if you see them through, like, Paco's eyes and how Paco views him. Um, Even though he does treat Paco well, um, but obviously this man can hide his crazy very well. He plays a major role in the finale, so.
1: Also going off of that, you mentioned, you know, it kind of shows how it's seen through an idyllic type of way, like, from this child. It's kind of like, you know, when like outed by people of sexual assault or something and people are all like oh but they're good people it's like you know yeah. it's like they're good people to you but that doesn't mean that they're incapable of bad things horrible things yeah
0: like everyone has multiple size and acts different around different people so you can't just like Assume that Joe, because he works in a bookstore and worries about his neighbor next door who is living in a troubled environment because he cares about him, doesn't mean that he also has misinterpreted messages in the media and how you are to pursue a woman. Yeah. Um, so speaking of that woman, to move on to Beck, do you like the character of Beck? Because I've seen people, from the beginning of the show, I've seen people criticizing her.
1: No, I don't like her. I don't. Why? I, I, well, you saw on Twitter how I posted that she's boring, and I do, I think, I think she's boring, and I think she, she has really interesting arcs and, and plots, like, with her dad, I thought that was really interesting, but I think that was the most interesting she got for me, nothing with, like, the actress, but I think, like, Beck as a person is not super, like, I don't even know what the word is. She's not, she's, I don't want to say she's nothing special, but she's, like, you know, she's kind of just, like, run of the mill, and it's really interesting that he's just so obsessed with her to the point that he does all this stuff for her. And I think it is because, like you said before, he's creating this, like, ideal person version of Beck that, uh-huh. isn't, that is not really Beck, um, but I do think she is a little bland.
0: Yeah. I completely get that. I find her annoying um, and bland, like you said. I think um, that it was good that they... I think it was very important that they had that episode that was from her point of view and in her mind. Because I think since the entire book is written from his perspective and you have this narration, and then obviously that was carried into the television show with the, the narration, which I think is done very well. I think it's important to be in her mind because obviously she, then she's she's kind of a passive character up until that episode. You don't know much about her. Um, like you were saying, she doesn't come across as anything special because you're in Joe's mind and you just hear him hyping her up all the time and you're like, she is not delivering once you are talking to her. Yeah. So... I enjoyed getting her background a little bit, um, but I think, I don't know, to not spoil anything, I think that the way that she's portrayed and her personality is important for how the show ends this season.
1: Okay. I, I trust you. What, what do thinking? you think about Peach? Yeah, I love Peach. I really like Shane Mitchell, um, but I love Peach's character. As we find out later, of course, that she also has a, uh, an obsession for Beck. But I liked her better than I liked Joe, even though, like, her obsession doesn't come from a pretty great place. Or, I don't even know if I want to say that. What I'm trying to say, I guess, is that I, I prefer her insanity over Joe's insanity. And I don't even know if I can call hers insanity um, but I could definitely say that about him, just because she's someone who maybe wasn't raised really well, um, and maybe didn't have a lot of, like, discipline in terms of how to be a decent human being, but at the end of the day, she didn't kill anybody.
0: <laughs> that's her, that's her.
1: That's the bar. Our,
0: do I like her, too. She's very intense, the difference is that She's not, sometimes she lies here and there, but she's not hiding her personality, who she is or how she speaks or treats Beck. And so if Beck paid attention and was present in her relationships more, then Peach and her would be like able to communicate better and she wouldn't let her walk all over her. So I blame Beck in that situation. Like Peach, I like that she's alert and she's like not falling for Joe's crap. So I think she's a good character. Oh my
1: God. That, yeah, that was my favorite part of her character is she is calling his shit out at every single turn like she's got him and that also made me mad she has him pegged for who he is and she is not being fooled by shit and yet no one believes her and that's very frustrating to watch
0: yeah i think she's great and i loved seeing a different side of her um i didn't really it has nothing to do with shay's acting i just didn't like the character emily in pretty little liar she was my least favorite liar. Um, so I loved seeing this side to her. I mm-hmm. thought she was great in how she portrayed it, and she was my favorite out of Beck's friends. I obviously liked her more than Beck, too. But overall, do you like the show? Would you, like, encourage people to watch I it? I do.
1: I do. Um, again, like, when I watched the first episode back when it first premiered, I really liked it. I was already hooked, but I guess not hooked enough to watch it live. But that's not a testament to this show. That's just a testament to my poor, tv skills at points um there's just too much tv and too little time i'm really glad that i started watching this again and i do get the hype that everyone is talking about and i think it's justified i think it's well worth the hype and everyone should watch it if it's not too triggering for them i
0: completely agree maybe we'll address this in a future podcast but i will say that i enjoyed the finale i know it divides some people uh so pick that up a little bit, maybe in a future podcast and see what Alani thinks about it. Yeah, I think it's a great show. I really enjoyed it. I think that it really should Penn's range. Yes. Um, I thought that it was beautifully shot. And Mm -hmm. I loved the comments that it makes about our society and also like our past view of men and how that should be changed now. So, yeah, overall, I think it's a great show and people should watch it. Oh my god, I'm so sorry to interrupt you. What? But I just went to your Twitter because you said about that video. And I just saw that you said the mud child from Brothers Grimm traumatized you. And oh my god, I have never seen anybody mention that before. But I am still traumatized. Right?
1: I thought I dreamed it up. And,
0: and <laughs> you know, that movie was so traumatizing, and no one mentions it. My nana used to take me to so many traumatizing movies when I was a child because it would be like during the day, and I would be in sco- I would be like out of school early, and she'd be like, let's go to the movies, and it'd be like rated right <laughs> R, and she didn't care. And that child also, when the horse eats someone. Oh my God!
1: Yeah. Like, that
0: movie is. Like, I am still, if I scroll through the channels and I see it, my skin crawls.
1: Yeah, so I, I have to look this up. I, when did that movie come out? Because we were super young, because I think, I think if adults saw that, or if I saw that today for the very first time, I would not have a problem with it. Like, I think it would just be, like, weird or whatever, but we saw he it. He
0: takes her face, though! He takes her face! Yeah! I was so scared! Yeah,
1: no, I completely agree. Um, let me look up when this came out. Hold on.
0: 2005.
1: 2005. So, wait, so we weren't even that young. <laughs> wait. Um, I I was eight. Yeah. Oh, wait. So then so then I was 10? Yeah. Duh. I was born 95. Um. Wow. So I really wasn't that young.
0: But I mean. Well, it's- I think you might have been nine. I think it came out before your birthday. But still. It's
1: that's still not- creepy. Oh, Marvin. I'm like stuck thinking about it because i saw that and the first thing that came up about because not not many things scare me and i think it's because i was too traumatized as a child with a ton of things um and that being one of them i can face anything now i can face the devil i can face whatever because that thing will forever be the creepiest scariest thing i'll ever face amen Now we're going to go into our last segment of the podcast. And in the past, we've done something called a dropped call, but that was like negative. So for this week, um, starting off the first podcast of the new year, we are going to do something called Charged Up, where we talk about our favorite things this week, things that make us feel really good.
0: Today, I'm talking about this show. That you might have heard of, called The Good Fight. It's on CBS All Access. I have seen critics talk about it. Uh sometimes critics talk about shows and I'm like, uh, they're overhyping it. This is bland and boring. But I saw it on a lot of people's end of year for 2018 lists, and so I was like, I'll give it um a shot because I know that Christine how is it Branski?
1: Branski, yeah.
0: Yeah, was in it, and I think she's a great actress. So I watched it and oh my gosh, it like, it pisses me off so much that that is a show that's on CBS All Access and is not on CBS's regular programming, which I'm confused about because it's like a spinoff of The Good Wife, which I did not watch, Um, but that aired on CBS and ran for a long time, so it was super successful, and honestly, I was thinking about it and aside from like Survivor and Big Brother, which are reality competition shows, I don't watch any of CBS's programming. So I just this is like so so good and written so well, and obviously female-led because that's our cup of tea. Mm-hmm. And then um diversity and just um you know I do enjoy shows that are about lawyers, uh, and it is. but it's it's a unique perspective and it's so funny and quick and it doesn't have that many episodes like 10 for the first season 13 for the second season I'm already on the second season but it is so good and I just want everyone to be praising how amazing it is and how incredible it is to have I mean a woman who's obviously like an older woman too to lead a cast is like incredible in this Mm -hmm. day and age but More people should watch The Good Fight. It's so good. Start binging now.
1: You heard it here. Binge it now.
0: And my opinion is golden.
1: (laughs) True. Going into my good charged up thing for the week. Just announced the cast um, for the West Side Story remake. And the only person up until this point that's been cast is Ansel Elgort as Tony. Um, which I think he'll do a good job. Um, but they just cast, like, a ton of people who aren't super well-known in the movie business. Um, but the, the actress who's playing Maria, Rachel Ziegler, she's 17 years old, she's Colombian, American, and I found her on YouTube. It's not hard to find, like, it's just her name. Um, but basically she's, like, sung all of my favorite Broadway songs and has done it perfectly. And I think I found my new obsession, which is her voice, so. Um when does, this,
0: when does this remake come out?
1: I don't know, they're just starting to film it, so it probably won't come out until okay. next year. So I have
0: some time, because I've never seen this movie, so,
1: uh... West Side Story? Yeah. You've never seen West Side Story? No. I'm so saddened. This was supposed to be my Charged Up, Ariana. <laughs> I'm
0: sorry. <laughs>
1: yeah. I'm no longer Charged Up anymore.
0: Oh.
1: I'm so sad. You need to watch I it. I have
0: time to watch it. It's not like I'm dying or something.
1: Yeah, you you should watch it. Um, I, like, grew up watching it. I grew up watching a ton of musicals. Um, I was a Broadway child, <laughs> I guess. Um, And so I'm really excited for this. A lot of people are like, it doesn't need to be done. Like, why are we making this movie? And I'm not going to get into it right now. I'll get into it later. Maybe another time. But I'm glad it's being done. I think it does need to be made. And I'm excited that it looks like they're going the right route.
0: Well, I have time, so I'll watch it. Eventually. Okay.
1: Good. Report back. Let me know how it goes. Okay. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you for tuning in. Um, this is Alani. I'm Mariana. And we're signing off till next time. Bye. Bye.